It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines, a panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. Who wants to talk sports? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. We welcome you to our Thursday podcast, Hacksaw's Headlines. We're based at our studios here in San Diego. I'm here. My co-host, John Riley, has come in from Field. He's working in the studio today. We've got an enormous number of topics on the table. We're going to cover a lot of different things. We're going to go a lot of different directions. We're going to give you a lot of different opinions. And more than anything else, John, we want those of us on live stream who are joining us to join us in the fans forum. Explain how that works, and then let's go through the process of subscribing to all the unique things we do with our podcast. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a ton to talk about right now. And I know a lot of the fans want to talk as well. So you can get involved. Just type in your thoughts, your comments, your questions for Hacksaw in the live chat on Facebook or YouTube. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and including YouTube. And by the way, I have a website. It's all written. Every day it's refreshed. One man's opinion column, best 15 minutes in radio, Hacksaw's headlines, plus my mini poll questions. If you like sports, you should check it out every night or in the morning, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Let's start with baseball, but let's talk baseball off the field. Off the field. I know there's a lot of breaking news over the last couple of days with the TV package in the Padres. Uh, The Padres are the first ones who are the victims of the death of regional sports networks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bally Sports Studios are dark. The Diamond Sports Group, which is a subsidiary of Sinclair Broadcasting, which ran Bally Sports, reneged on their contract with the Padres. Major League Baseball seized the Padre broadcast on Tuesday night after the game, after Diamond Sports missed a second rights fee payment that was due. Uh, I'll just give you the deep background. Sinclair, big broadcast owner, owns a ton of major market TV stations, created the Diamond Sports Group to get involved with sports broadcasting. So they have the rights to 14 Major League Baseball teams under regional sports networks. They also have NBA uh, packages. They have National Hockey League packages. Well, Diamond Sports has taken a huge hit because of people cord cutting, dropping cable. Yeah, I'm one of them. Okay. It's your fault. <laughs> okay. It's your fault I can't see Padre Baseball on my TV right now. Blame the guy who's going back out to left field. So what's happened is Diamond has been losing so much money over the last four years because of cord cutting, John. They went to these ball clubs that they had the rights with, Arizona, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, et cetera, et cetera, and the Padres, and said, we want a reduction in the rights fee we're paying. Yeah. Club said no went to Major League Baseball and said, we really need help. Baseball's response is, the contract is a contract. The Padres, $60 million a year. That's what they were getting from Bally Sports and Diamond Sports Group to televise the games. Well, Diamond stopped making payments to clubs in the offseason. Right before opening day, they worked a deal where they pay a third of what they owed to each of the teams to start the season. So the Padres got a $20 million payment. The second payment was due last weekend. Did not make it. Informed the Padres they would not make it. MLB seized it immediately. They're the first club that baseball has jumped in and taken the rights away. 
Major League Baseball been planning for the collapse of the RSNs, the regional sports networks, for a chunk of time and had formulated plans. They had hired three broadcast executives who used to be with Sinclair to give guidance as to how to do this. So baseball jumps right in, takes the Padres, had the blueprint already laid out on the table. We're going to stream the games. You can subscribe through MLB TV. If you've got DirecTV, it'll be up there. AT&T, U-verse, a whole bunch of these other places, Spectrum, Cox, etc. subscriptions. So Padre fan now can get access to the games for $19.99 a month and I think $79.99 for the year. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing that really worries me. $60 million in rights fee per year for the Padres is an enormous amount of money, John. Yeah, it is. How many subscriptions do you have to sell at nineteen ninety nine a month to get to $60 million rights fee? That, to me, is a huge, huge, big-picture issue because I don't think the Padres are going to be able to capitalize on that kind of revenue stream ever again. Yeah, I, mean, I think they're going to probably have to sell like a million subscriptions, right? At, you know, roughly $60 a year. I know it's 79 but to use big numbers, they're going to have to sell close to a million subscriptions to make up it. And that that's paying for the left side of your infield. It's a big issue. Baseball last night and the bankruptcy proceedings are going on in Houston, John, as we speak. Diamond Sports Group went back to the bankruptcy judge and said, we think because the industry has collapsed, we should have the right to restructure down the rights fees to every one of our franchises. And the judge at this point has yet to make a ruling. But last night, there was a nine and a half hour hearing before the bankruptcy judge involving Rob Manford, the commissioner, all types of lawyers and the judge walking through the background of how this situation got to the situation where the Padres games were seized by MLB. And Manfred testified under oath that the president of Sinclair came to him last year and said, we have to change our baseball contract with you. We're choking to death because the industry has changed. Mm -hmm. He threatened Manfred. He told Manfred in this one-on-one meeting, and the judge heard all this, the lawyers on the other side admitted this happened, The president of Sinclair told Rob Manfred that if you do not help us reduce the rights fees, we're going to file for bankruptcy and we're going to put all your clients, all your teams out in the street without TV contracts. It was really a nasty exchange. I read Mm. some of the dialogue that went on during the court case. And Manfred said, no, we're not going to cut the rights fees to each of our clients. And if you take us to bankruptcy... We're going to take all the rights back in-house, and you'll be out the $2 billion you invested. Mm. It was a really nasty exchange. Then Sinclair came back to him and said, let's make a different deal. We'll continue to pay the fees the way they're structured, Padres $60 million, whatever all the other clubs are getting. We'll continue to pay it. You give us the streaming rights to all 30 teams in baseball for the future. Mm. Sinclair is trying to pull a money power play mm-hmm. that— they could take the streaming rights and create this bonanza for them and to a degree bail out baseball. Manford said, no, we own the streaming rights. We're not giving them up. Mm. And on top of that, the big money franchises who already have successful streaming packages, Yankee baseball, Met baseball, Red Sox baseball, Nesson Sports Network and all that, said absolutely not. First of all, we're not turning our rights back to baseball 
so that all these other small clubs could cherry pick off our pie that we've already created with SNY for the Mets and what they're getting in New York and Boston. And so the commissioner's got, he's got a problem with the big money market teams that don't want to give back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day, baseball has now made the Padres the prime example. And I found out late last night that the commissioner, as part of this deal, when he approached the Padres and said, this deal's going away, and we're going to take you in-house, and you'll be the first franchise that we're going to do this creative stuff with. The commissioner said, we will pay you 80% left of the unpaid rights fee from Ballet Sports. Okay. So Padres had already gotten $20 million the day before the season started. They're still owed 40 They are going to get $32 million from MLB on a one-time payoff. Now, if this happens to any other team, baseball's guaranteed that whatever's the unpaid amount for the Diamondbacks or the Pirates, if we have to take those rights in, we'll give you 80% of the remaining unpaid money. So the Padres are, to a degree, going to be made whole for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. But there is no rights fee next season. So 2024, if baseball takes everything in-house or most everything in-house, Padres are not going to get $60 million. That's a huge revenue stream to be without. So that's that's the the backstory as to how this thing got to where this thing is, I'm not sure at this point, and I, I have had not had a lot of time to dive into the Padre fans' Twitter feeds. You do. Are, are the fans enraged that they don't have access to the games the way they were presented before? Is everybody diving in to do the subscription now for MLB streaming? Do you get any pulse at all from Padre fans? Yeah, I, I have, because I know that if you have Cox Cable in San Diego, they're going to be on Channel 4, just like they were in the 1990s. So for some Padre fans, they're thinking, this is great, and it, it, it it's part of their package. Now, we cut the cord. Um, we have internet, but with Cox Cable for the internet only. Uh, so our television, we have direct TV stream. Um, and Bally Sports was part of that package. But then last night's game and today's game, both, we were able to um, see it as direct TV stream as a separate Padre only channel. So it didn't cost us anything extra. It didn't disrupt our ability to watch the games. The same thing is true with all the Cox Cable customers. I'd imagine it's similar on UVerse or whatever other platforms. Um, so it's 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 a it was a change. There was a time when we were all wondering what was going to happen, but so far it's not been that big of a deal. Now I have Direct TV, and I ha- I've had that for a long time. That was a spinoff of NFL Sunday Ticket. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I kept it. I haven't canceled it, so I get to see Padres. But there's a lot of people who just had Spectrum, and you won't get it on Spectrum anymore unless you buy the package or you buy MLB TV's package. So it's going to be a little bit different going forward. Biggest question that I ran into, I, I work out every morning at a fitness center is, where can I find the Padres games? Yeah, well, everything's changed. <laughs> John you know? Q fan wasn't really sure. But, you know, as a as a Padre fan, I, I love this, actually. I think if you're a viewer, it makes a lot of sense because when we cut the cord, we used to have Cox Cable. You know, you got like 200 channels and you got Bally Sports and it was fine. But we cut the cord because we didn't want to deal with Cox and television. And we wanted to go through this a la carte model. We have Netflix and Amazon Prime. And, and then we wanted to get, you know, just the, the sports channels we wanted. Well, it turned out that I couldn't get Padres a la carte. I had to subscribe to the whole MLB package. And even if I did that, I wasn't able to get the home games because they were blacked out. And so I had to subscribe to um, DirecTV Stream, 
which gave me like, you know, 200 channels. It's like a cable package. It's costing me a hundred bucks a month. Now, I don't watch anything else on DirecTV stream pretty much except the Padres and maybe like news channels. Well, I'm going to now be able to eliminate a hundred bucks a month and I could just pay for the Padres at 20 bucks a month. So I'm, I'm ahead $80 every month. It's different. And how about the audacity of the president of Sinclair to threaten the commissioner of baseball? I'll do this if you don't give me what I want. To which point Rob Manfred said, if you miss the payments, we're seizing control of the rights. So they got one club. We'll see what happens with the others that are in this mix. And we'll well see what the bankruptcy judge rules. Maybe we think by Friday night. Well, they're both right. I mean, the Sinclair guys are right because the whole marketplace has changed. And, and, you know, when people are cutting the cord, their revenue stream has gone down and they're still on the hook for 20 million uh, or 60, 60 million a year. But to Manfred's point, a contract's a contract. Now, you would hope that they would be able to negotiate in good faith, fully understanding how everything has changed in the last few years. But if they want to be a stickler, then it's going to make this thing a really difficult divorce. Well, the other thing that was going on that came up as evidence as Manfred was doing his testimony on, on Wednesday was that he accused Sinclair, the, the corporate company, of going into the marketplace and sales pitching the sponsor, Texaco. Mm. You get the games and you get all the features that we you will sponsor. And by the way, we're going to do streaming and we're going to control all the teams in baseball and you'll get a piece of that too. They were selling something they don't have. Oh, that's not right. And Manfred found out about it and mm-hmm. he he put his foot down after the president of Sinclair put his hand on him and said, if you don't do this, we're taking this thing to bankruptcy and we'll put all your teams out in the street. Wow. Holy cow. It's like a game of chicken. Yeah. And you're going to do this with a commissioner of baseball? You're going to intimidate Rob Manfred? I don't think so. So that's where we are with Padre Baseball on the field. Weekend series. They got the Cubs and they got the Mariners and they go back out on the road. Uh, Sidebar story in Major League Baseball. Dodgers. Dodgers-Yankees. You think they'll draw 50,000 at Dodger Stadium Friday, Saturday, Sunday to see Aaron Judge and Giancolo Stanton and Garrett Cole against Dodger Blue? Wow, what a cool series that's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be like the late 70s when those two teams faced off in the World Series. Uh, so that's going to be a great one. I mean, that's a bi-coastal gig. And, and then, yeah, the Padres, they won 10-1 to today. I mean, the offense lit up, so maybe they're turning the corner. It only counts as one, please. <laughs> Uh, One other baseball topic. This is not good news, and we've talked about this before. Yeah, Trevor Bauer just seems to always be in the media for sometimes the wrong reasons. I mean, what's the latest in Japan? Like the honeymoon is over. Uh Trevor Bauer was demoted, sent to the minor leagues this week by the Yokohama Bay Stars. You know, he had a good first start, and since then it's been choppy waters in Tokyo Bay. He got lit in his last start. He got booed in his last start at home by the Bay Star fans. He's been sent to their minor league affiliate. Now, they're not going to release him. He agreed to go. But think about this. This is an established, pretty good major league pitcher. Set aside all the garbage that he got himself involved with personally. But think about this. His record with the Bay Stars is now 1-2. and two. His ERA is 6.96. In 21 innings, he's allowed 16 runs, has allowed 18 hits. He's given up seven home runs. Wow. Seven home runs in Japan. So something's not right with him. Uh, But he has been demoted from the Bay Stars down to their minor league team to try to fix it. 
But uh, they're not happy with him right now because he's gotten lit. He's had three straight substandard starts after the first one that he pitched pretty well. A little bit of humble pie, you know. So, oh. But I'll tell you what, the uh, the Japanese league is legit. I mean, they've yeah. got some great hitters there. And, uh, you know, Trevor Bauer kind of has his shenanigans. He can't really fool the hitters too much. But, uh, yeah, that's this is a shocker because they, they were in love with him in the beginning. Everyone was buying those jerseys, and now they're now he's demoted. Now he's getting booed. <laughs> oh, but there's a lot of baseball to be played in Japan, too. Okay, we go from there. As long as we're talking about money and we're talking about lawsuits, next topic on the table. Yeah, this one caught my attention. I, you know, the Holiday Bowl was canceled during COVID, and now it's getting legal. Uh, Holiday Bowl has filed a $3.8 million lawsuit for damages against UCLA. Uh, remember, during COVID, the 2020 Holiday Bowl was canceled, canceled months in advance. A whole bunch of bowl games were taken off the slate in 2020. In 2021, UCLA was invited to come, and UCLA was supposed to play North Carolina State. And the Bruins were here, and they went through all the festivities. And five hours before the game, at noon of game day, Chip Kelly announces we are not going to play the game. We've had a COVID outbreak. And they had gone through all the parties and all the festivities and all the appearances and all the trips that come with being in a big bowl game, and they walked out on the Holiday Bowl. And the Holiday Bowl took a huge financial hit. They had to give back enormous amounts of money in tickets. They had to forfeit the TV rights fee from Fox because there was no game to televise Mm -hmm. because UCLA backed out on game day. Uh, They had all the inherent cost for construction and putting the bowl game on at Petco Park. They swallowed all that. They wound up losing $7.8 million total because UCLA backed out of the bowl game. And there was no dialogue between UCLA and Holiday Bowl people that there was a problem, that this might happen. You know, Chip Kelly is with all the information. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was terribly deceitful. I thought it was unethical. I thought it was bleeping dishonest. And I don't know how Martin Jarman, the athletic director at UCLA, could stand in front of anybody and say it was business as normal. Not the way they did it. North Carolina State's people were furious that they had been lied to. Well, UCLA had gone back to uh, Pac, I said Holiday Bowl had gone back to the Pac-12 and UCLA and said, we want to be compensated for the damage that was done. You violated the contract. And the Pac-12 says, no, not. In the contract is the word force majeure, which means that there's an uncontrollable act that impacts the ability of the game. Game could be canceled. Well, Holiday Bowl doesn't see it that way. So this has gotten really ugly. Holiday Bowl has also, and I don't agree with the Holiday Bowl on this, they've withheld the money that was supposed to be paid last year to Oregon when Oregon came out here and played in the Holiday Bowl. They have not paid Oregon its $3.2 million share for playing in the 2022 game. So that's kind of tied into this whole thing. Uh, I'll be fascinated to see where this goes. Uh, at the end of the day, I think UCLA has to bear the burden, some of the burden, for the financial trauma they caused with the cancellation of the game. Nobody else on that team got sick aside from three or four defensive linemen the night before the day of the game because they were testing everybody on a constant mm-hmm. basis. I maintain the game could have been played. But, you know, Chip Kelly's of the opinion, I were losing all my top players and what if other players get sick or... He didn't want to get killed in a bowl game because he didn't have any defensive linemen. Real, real tough call here. But boy, the Holiday Bowl 
just took a horrific financial beating, you know, and they operate with a thin margin. This is San Diego. This is small market, small advertising market. Um, we'll see if, if they settle out of court, but they've not made any progress at all talking to the conference and talking to the people in Westwood. Maybe this goes to trial, and then that'll be interesting to see what transpires. Well, I think UCLA should reimburse the Holiday Bowl for this. And you said it was only three or four defensive linemen that got— yep. I mean, you got backups. You've got to give other guys an opportunity, next man up. Um, I mean, if it was a, let's just say the pandemic just went through the team and 80 guys were sick, okay, that's one thing. But if it's just a handful of guys, I mean, what are you doing? Um, and you end up screwing all the family and everyone that flew in for this game. And I mean, it's just complete dis- disruption of the whole event. Um, did we see anything like this in other bowl games? Well, there were a whole pile of bowl games canceled in 2020. And I think the 2021 UCLA walking out five hours before game day, that was the only only bowl game that was impacted by COVID at that point in time. Yeah, it's got to be on UCLA to, to make uh, the Holiday Bowl whole. I concur. Uh, we're talking money. Let's talk about the NFL here. Okay, yeah, Justin Herbert, he's going to be getting paid. I mean, all these quarterbacks are making $50 million a year. Well, Jalen Hurts signed the first big contract of this offseason when he inked with Philadelphia at $51 million per season. Next up, and like everything in the NFL, one guy negotiates off what the last guy got, got, John. Mm -hmm. Uh, You got Justin Herbert. You got Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati is open talks with Joe Burrow. That price tag will probably be $50 million. They're going to take care of him in some creative fashion. Uh, The Chargers have had conversations with Justin Herbert's agent. I don't think they're close to a deal yet. They've got this whole year to get this thing done. It'll be $50 million probably for him. But Tom Telesco really came out of character. He doesn't talk about specific players. He doesn't talk about contracts and holdouts or any of that. Uh, he came out and he said, we know, based on my experience having dealt with Peyton Manning's contract in Indianapolis, we have a file as to how to negotiate these type of deals with a star player. But then he said, the quarterback deserves the right to get his proper value, and it's $50 million probably mm-hmm. per year because that's where the NFL's gone to. You know, whether it's Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, what's going to happen with Burrow, then what happens with Justin Herbert. The player deserves the right to get his value, but, and there's always a but, <laughs> yeah. but the player must understand we need to have money to go get other good players to put around that great player. So there's... There's a subliminal message right there that we're not going to write you a check for $55 because we need salary cap space to be able to go get other good players to put around you. Kind of a fascinating way to do business. Herbert is such a different kid. He's cut from such a different cloth. They'll get this deal done. Maybe he even takes less because he understands I can't do this by myself if we have enough money to go get other stars. That's why next year the salary cap is going to impact some of these other guys on the roster. The roster will look different. This will be, I firmly believe, this will be the final year for Keenan Allen at $30 million plus. Might be the final year for Khalil Mack, who's making like $32 million a cap figure. Probably the final year for Austin Eckler, who will go on the open market as an unrestricted free agent, and they can't franchise tag him. But it was, it's kind of interesting to hear what Telesco had to say. Well, he's not wrong. Telesco's not wrong. I mean, he has to make the math work. He's got his guys working on the spreadsheets to get the numbers to work. But Herbert's going to end up making 
some amount per year that starts with a five, right? It's going to be 50, 51, something like that. And the guy deserves it. I mean, he's legit. He's a star. And um, I, I'm confident they're going to work something out here. But, you know, there's always a little bit of this dance before they have to ink the deal. Um, so when is, 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 is he on contract for this year? For got one year left. Okay, so they're going to probably try to get it done in the offseason so it's not hanging over their head when well, they start. Well, either that or the agent may push this and say, hey, my guy does not want to play his final year of the old contract without the extension going forward because what if he gets hurt? Now he's got no market value. And historically, star players... They get the new contract before the final year of the old contract yeah. starts. Mm-hmm. So I think this has to happen between now and Labor Day weekend just before the season starts. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, Justin Herbert and then next in line is Burrow. Burrow might get it before Herbert. And there's a difference. Now, I'm not throwing cold water on Herbert because I think he's a tremendous player. Uh, Burrow's been to the playoffs. Burrow's won in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Burrow was in the Super Bowl in the playoffs. So he probably gets bumped more than Justin Herbert gets bumped. Yeah, but can Justin Herbert stop the Jacksonville Jaguars from their <laughs> their running game? He can't do both. He can't be on both sides of the of the ball. Okay. Uh, one other. We're talking a lot of money today. One other NFL free agent note. This is interesting. Follow follow the dots on this one. Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins. You know, I mean, he's is he out on the market or people looking to maybe sign him? He's on a street corner. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins was a really quality receiver with Houston. Then as the Texans got into teardown mode, wound up with Arizona. Last two seasons have not been great. He's not been able to stay on the field, bunch of nagging injuries. I think the general consensus is grossly overpaid, and Arizona's an absolute mess right now. Uh, Andre, DeAndre Hopkins gets released. How bad did Arizona want away from him? They're taking a $22 million cap hit Ooh. just to get him off the roster. So I think there's some internal stuff there with who he is, how he acts, how hard he plays. Does he practice well? Is he a student of the game? He's gone. You don't see guys get take a $22 million cap hit unless they didn't like the person they got rid of. And they tried to trade him in the offseason. And, of course, the problem in the NFL is everybody's got cap problems this late in the offseason. So nobody's going to take on a big 15 million contract with a 22 cap figure. So they let him go on the street corner. So Hopkins starts talking about, I'd like to play in Kansas City with Mahomes. Yeah. Uh, you could send my mail to the 716 area code, Josh Allen in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I'd play for the Patriots. Uh, maybe I relink with Deshaun Watson up in Cleveland. The problem is, all those teams have very little cap space. Kansas City, as of breakfast today, had only $600,000 cap space. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, the other teams, one of them had $1.1 million, Buffalo. New England, uh, I don't even know if they had $2 million, and they don't throw money around like that unless it's mm-hmm. an established star. Here's the wild card. The one that does have kept space, the Baltimore Ravens. Oh. $11 million. And Lamar Jackson, who just restructured his contract, the new deal, his cap figure goes down. They got $11 million. They got three young wide receivers who just signed Odell Beckham, and they got 11 million space. How about Hopkins, 
being part of the new look offense of the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, that could be pretty explosive. I mean, having all those weapons to throw to. um, It's still surprising to me that Arizona had so many star players, and yet they were a total choke job. So it sounds like, you know, they've just got to blow up the whole system and kind of start over. Do you think they're going to stick with uh, Kyler Murray as well? Yeah, but they gave him a big contract, but Murray's got to get healthy. He is not going to be there at the start of the season. You know, and they, they, they blow Hopkins out. J.J. Watt walked away, retired. Um, Chandler Jones defected a year ago, was maybe with their best defensive end outside of J.J. Watt. So, and Fitzgerald's gone too, right? Well, he retired two years ago. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Arizona kind of looks like Three Mile Island. Nothing <laughs> left, nobody around. Yeah. You know, and they got the president, Mike Bidwell's under fire. Mm-hmm. They fired the general manager. They fired. Uh, Kingsbury, the coach. So, I mean, they're starting almost from ground zero, and they won't have the quarterback to start the season. Yeah, well, that's something else. So, yeah, so let's see what Hopkins does. I mean, you know, he is a very dynamic player. I remember when he was with the Texans, he was he was special. Okay, before we watch you shoot three-point shots, I want you to explain to everybody about Fans Forum at the end of the show. Tell them about subscribing to everything we want the fans to do to take part in our podcast. Okay, yeah, so you can get involved in Fans Forum. We already see Angel and Ryan. You guys are already loaded up in the Fans Forum, so you can get involved. Type your comment or question for Hacksaw in the live chat on Facebook or YouTube. Be sure to subscribe um, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, including on YouTube. And you know, click on that bell. You'll get alerts whenever we drop all these new video segments and video clips that we do throughout the week. And a reminder, if you like sports, you need to check my website. It's all written. You will really like it. If you check it every morning, you'll be the smartest guy outside of these studios in San Diego <laughs> County and up and down the West Coast. So check my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. And don't be afraid to give us a thumbs up. Don't be afraid to give us five stars. John doesn't have very many friends, so we'll take all the friends we can get if you give us a rating. Okay, let's talk hoops. Hoops. I mean, the NBA Finals start tonight. I mean, this is it's. June, right? It's amazing how long the season is. The Joker versus Jimmy B. Denver Nuggets, Miami Heat. Uh, you got a great center in Nikola Jokic. You got Jimmy Butler, who has just willed the Miami Heat uh, into the NBA Finals. Think about this. Miami lost the first play-in game. There were backs to the wall. Their bags were packed. They were going home. They won the second play-in game. And look what they've done is they've trashed everybody along the way in the Eastern Conference to get to the Finals. I mean, obviously, Jokic is the best big man in the NBA right now. It's impossible to defend him. Jimmy Butler is just an explosive guy. You got two really dynamic coaches. I wouldn't want to be in a room with Mike Malone during the playoffs, the Denver coach. He is, <laughs> boys, fiery. Uh, I like Eric Spolster a great deal. I think he's a great chess player moving pieces around on a mm-hmm. game-by-game basis in developing game plans. But, I, you know, Denver, Denver's got three guys that are really big-time players. Jokic. Uh, Michael Porter, the number one picks, finally started to play because he's coming off two back surgeries. And obviously Jamal Murray, who's just exciting. The wild card, I think, in the whole Denver storyline is Contavious Caldwell-Pope. He has had a really good season, and he's been glue to hold them together, and he can hit shots, etc. So he has really made made a mark in Denver. Uh, in terms of Miami, I mean, it, it is Butler. But Caleb Martin, kid that played out here in the Mountain West Conference at Nevada Reno, mm-hmm. in two and a half years has grown into a really dependable three-point shooter. And they're going to get Tyler Hero, 
uh, the guard who had broke his hand very early in the playoffs. He is back. He's practicing. Really? He'll probably be ready for the weekend. Only concern I think Miami has is is can it keep the big guy uh, out of foul trouble, Bam Adebayo? Uh, because he's going to have to find a way to defend Jokic, and Jokic is big as a state of Rhode Island and makes, <laughs> makes so many things happen. I think it's going to be a fascinating game. I think the bench bunch is going to play a critical part in the equation of this game. That being said, I think I think Denver's going to roll. Denver's going to win this. And then we can all salute the old ABA. You remember <laughs> ABA basketball, the red, white, and blue basketball, mm-hmm. the ones that created the three-point shot, which changed the game, Right. Uh, the, the cheerleaders in bikinis on the sidelines. <laughs> uh, and, you know, Denver, Dan Issel, Kiki Vandeway, Alex English, there are a lot of great old Denver Nuggets players, some of those guys from the ABA era. So this would be cool. And Jokic, you know, Yoka came out of Europe, and he was an afterthought. He was not a high number one pick. He was just a big guy that when you first saw him, you thought, oh, what an oaf. Can this guy play? Well, the guy sure can play. He can't run well. He doesn't jump well. But he is so acrobatic in terms of the variety of shots. And he's got peripheral vision. He makes passes. You say, how did he see that guy? Mm-hmm. Um, he's a tremendous individual. Great, great human being. Does some foundation stuff in Denver. This will be a fun series. I'm so pleased for Butler is such a warrior. And Spolster is such a bright light coach. And Denver has really earned this. Yeah, it's nice seeing Denver in the NBA Finals. I, mean, I love it whenever there's a city that has been championship starved in a particular sport to finally get on the big stage. So I'm kind of rooting for Denver, but you know, I'll tell you what, the Spolster is an interesting guy because, you know, I, I first started paying attention to him back when the Heat had LeBron and D Wade and, and uh, who, who was the third guy there? The one they got Chris from Bosch. Toronto. Yeah. Bosch. And, uh, and then you figure who is this coach? He's just got all these great players. He just rolls the ball out, but you know what? All those guys are gone, but the Miami Heat continue to be a good team. They keep rebuilding. I mean, Alonzo Mourning was part of that whole mix. Yeah. And you know what? He's working for a mad scientist. I think Pat Riley is one of the greatest executives of all time. Mm-hmm. It's hard to believe Riley has been in South Florida. I think it's 23 years now. That's amazing. It is. I think Spolstra, I think he may have been there 14 years as head coach. So the, the, I'm, I I'm always like Riley as, a, as a, a human being, as a bright X and O's guy as a player personnel evaluator. And he landed in South Florida and look what he's turned the Miami Heat in multiple, multiple, multiple times. He rebuilt that thing three times. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing what they've been able to accomplish. And meanwhile, you know, the, the hockey team in Miami, they're going to be in the NHL finals too. So this is a good time to be in South Beach. Yeah, I agree. Okay, move on. Next NBA uh, topic is the era over. Yeah, I'm kind of concerned about this. You know, I grew up as a Warrior fan, went to a lot of games at the Oakland Coliseum. This GM has built a, a dynasty, and now he's stepping out the door? Yeah, it's kind of a surprise. I I think he's burned out. I mean, he spent a lot of time there. They won four championships under Bob Myers' reign. He's a former UCLA player, became a player agent, smart guy, and then became a general manager, linked up with Steve Kerr. There's been a special chemistry there. Rebuilt this thing a couple of times. Uh, you know, helped groom Steph Curry into a Hall of Famer, helped create the aura of Clay Thompson that became the Splash Brothers, drafted Draymond Green, and despite the theatrics, the guy's a rock-solid, tough guy. Yeah. And now he's laid the foundation because they do have another group of young guys coming, Jonathan Kuminga, 
Jordan Poole, the young center who's become a role player rebounder for them. Uh, but he's stepping away. Now, there's a wild rumor out there that the New York Knicks, who just fired their general manager, are going to make a run at Bob Myers. I don't know that he's ready to go back into the NBA wars immediately. I don't know if he wants to work for James Dolan, who's got a really bad reputation as the owner of the New York Knicks. You think Dan Snyder's a schmuck? (laughs) This guy's a bad dude, too. So I'm kind of surprised. It'll be interesting to see what Joe LaCobb, the owner of the Warriors, does to replace this guy. Does he promote from within? He's got an assistant GM, and he's got a son who's the VP of basketball ops. Do they become the general manager? Does he go outside and hire a well-established, proven NBA GM to come in to work with Steve Kerr? It'll be fascinating to see what transpires. Yeah. I mean, this the Warriors have had a great run these last 10 years, and this guy is the architect of the whole system. So um, it, it's interesting about the Knicks, because the Knicks— you would expect the New York Knicks to be one of the best teams in, in basketball, but they've been struggling for decades. They had a little run there in the 90s with with uh, Patrick Ewing, um, but they haven't been really great since really the 60s and 70s, right? Yeah, and James Dolan is the owner, and outside of Daniel Snyder being disliked, James Dolan may be disliked as much. In New York. I mean, uh, is he getting involved in a lot of workplace harassment? Or? There's a lot of junk on and off the court with him. It just never, ever ends. And they got a good product. A lot of, a lot of good young players uh, have always been active in free agency, but just not a well-run, well-oiled organization that keeps going through executives and keep going through coaches. And the one constant is James Dolan sitting courtside with no track record of success with the New York Knicks and the Spike Lees of the world scream, <laughs> we need a need a, a new owner, need a better owner. Well, you know, the last time the Knicks were good, I think Pat Riley was there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so more back to that genius in South Beach. Okay, we go from that topic to the other topic. Look, look who's employed, look who's not employed yet in the NBA. Yeah, there's a lot of open vacancies and some have already been filled. Well, we've had four filled right now. There's a couple more out there that are going to feel pretty quickly going into the NBA draft in the middle of this month. Uh, Philadelphia, really good hire. Nick Nurse did a good job uh, in Toronto, and then finally they felt they'd gone as far as they could with him. Nurse gets hired this week in Philadelphia. Now, I'm not sure what he's inheriting because he's got Joel Embiid. He's got Tobias Harris. He's got some uh, Thyrese Maxey. He's got some really good players. But James Harden is opting out of his contract and is going on the street corner as an unrestricted free agent. So it won't be quite the same team if Harden doesn't resign in Philadelphia. But the one thing we know about Nick Nurse, you will play defense, damn it. <laughs> so that, that bears watching. Okay. But he walks into a really good situation. Houston is a mess. They've been down for an extended period. And they didn't win the lottery. They do have some decent young players. But they get I mean, Udoka, who came from the Boston Celtics. Udoka did a tremendous job in a short period of time, and then he got removed. He got removed because of a sexual harassment, sexual relationship case with somebody in the front office. And he's refused to address it. But he got bounced out of there pretty quick, and he had a good team that really liked him and responded to him. Uh, at the end of the day, Udoka walks into Houston, and they will they will play suffocating defense. He will teach them to play that way because that's what made Boston pretty good with Tatum and Brown and the uh, the Smart and Al Horford and all those guys. So he winds up with a Houston job, although I don't think he's got enough players yet. Uh, the surprise hire was in Milwaukee. First of all, that they fired Mike Budenholzer, 
who had done a really good job. He got bounced right after they got knocked out of the playoffs. Uh, they do have Giannis. They do have Chris Middleton. They've got some pretty good players in Milwaukee. And this is a bit of a surprise hire. They hired Adrian Griffin. He was the right-hand man to Nick Nurse in Toronto. Mm. He must have really impressed them because he interviewed, I think, for three jobs in one week, and all of a sudden Milwaukee grabbed him. They just hired him. So it'll be interesting to see what this first-year head coach is like. And then overnight, Thursday morning, he got hired, Monty Williams. Most people's opinion, Monty Williams got screwed in Phoenix. This guy had been in New Orleans. He'd done a really good job building the Phoenix Suns. New owner came in, hit the eject button. After Phoenix got taken out of the playoffs, injuries had had something to do with that. Monty Williams goes to Detroit, and they've really been miserable. They've been down for a long time, but they've had high number one picks. They traded for a former Golden State number one pick, James Wiseman. Oh, yeah. They got to teach him to play defense. They got to continue to build his body, but it's seven foot with offensive skill. I, they had Cade Cunningham, the number one pick a year ago, who sat out this past season with a major injury. They've got a lot of young pieces, and they're going to have the fifth pick in the draft, so they're probably going to get a really good player. And Monty Williams comes with a really good reputation. Now, the other two jobs that are still open as of this hour Phoenix Suns. I'm not quite sure I understand this, but this new owner, Matabisha, he wants to do what he wants to do, and it's his money. They're making a push to hire Doc Rivers. And Doc had just gotten jettisoned in Philadelphia. Prior to that, he'd been with the Clippers. Mm -hmm. He's had success lots of places during the regular season. His postseason playoff record is really poor. So I guess the question you have, because obviously Phoenix has got a lot of firepower and a lot of players, what makes you think Doc will be any better in postseason playoff basketball in Phoenix than he was any of the other three or four places he's been in the NBA? So that, that bears watching. And then the last one is Toronto, which got rid of Nick Nurse very early. And I'm surprised it's kind of behind the curve in terms of who they should hire. It's interesting. They're talking to coaches internationally from Europe rather than interviewing a truckload of guys uh, for the Raptors' job. And they got some free agent contracts that they're going to have to solve because otherwise they're going to lose some guys. They've got some unhappy veterans that might want to be traded. So I don't know how good the Toronto job is right now. So I've given you a ton of topics here, but go ahead and respond to what. Well, that's interesting with Toronto. I mean, we, we've had so many great European players. Why not a European coach <laughs> coming into the NBA? I like that thinking. Uh, but I, I just go back to the box. It's like, how in the heck do you blow out your coach after being a number one seed? And sure, they, they choked in the playoffs. But it's almost like the, when the Chargers fired Marty Schottenheimer after he went 14-2. How can you do that? I mean, what are you doing? You know, so you, you figure you build on these coaches. I think with coaches, sometimes you know people are always seeking someone that has this magic elixir that's going to turn a team into a winner. But if you've got a solid coach that maybe is not great but still pretty good – you you were, you were going to do yourself a disservice by getting rid of them because there's so many bad coaches out there that'll just tear you down. Milwaukee won the crown a couple of years ago, and you're firing Mike Budenholzer? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. And Giannis was hurt multiple times this year and was hurt going into the playoffs. I could understand them suddenly being in trouble if, if he's nowhere near 100% and you know trying to play through a back injury that he had right at the start. I thought it was weird. It is interesting, Budenholzer's not been hired yet, which... Kind of surprised mm. me. I thought somebody would jump, jump on that name pretty quickly. So fascinating to see where we're going. And by the way, just around the corner, we got NBA free agency. You think we'll be talking about that? Damn right we will. Yeah. <laughs> on we go. Where do you want to go? Let's talk 
Puck. Puck. I mean, yeah, let's put the big board up here. We got some teams here also coaching vacancies in the NHL. Well, there's only four left. There have been a couple of hires this week. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks have yet to make a move on a coach. It's been very quiet there. Pat Verbeek. I'll throw two names at you that I think are going to get some consideration. One is Kevin Deneen. Deneen was a former head coach for the Florida Panthers, coached with the San Diego Gulls for a couple of years, and then mysteriously got blown out after two good years in San Diego. He went to the New Jersey Devils. He's coaching their Utica Devils team in the American League and done really well. Might he merit a look? Uh, I, I think he's an NHL coach and waiting deserves a second chance. The other one was a guy in Tampa. And where did Pat Verbeek come from? Tampa and Detroit. Uh, a guy by the name of Jeff Halpern, assistant head coach uh, for Tampa Bay Lightning. And John Cooper's had a really good run there on, on the Sun Coast. Those are two guys that I think that the, the Ducks are probably looking at. Uh, the New York Rangers, and this was a stunner, they fired Gerard Gallant. And who owns the Rangers? James Dolan. Ah. Uh, Gallant had a really good season, but they got 86th in the NHL playoffs, which was a surprise. Mm-hmm. They had made all these trades at the deadline uh, to add Vladimir Tarasenko from St. Louis, and none of the pieces, they traded for three guys, none of them fit in well, and the Rangers got ousted from the playoffs really early on. So that was a surprise. Uh, the Rangers are talking to a whole bunch of different guys, and the one that they might settle on is a guy who just got bounced in Washington, Peter LaViolette, a longtime NHL coaching career. He may go in there, but to me, he's not very different than Gerard Gallant, who got fired. Calgary's looking for a coach. They they also fired their general manager. Uh, Daryl Sutter got axed right at the end of the flame season. Uh, they'd gone through transition. They had run a, a number of big money players out of there because they had salary cap issues. So they're in a little bit of a rebuild. Um, Calgary is talking to Gallant. Gallant did a good job with the Rangers. And prior to that, Gallant was the first head coach of Las Vegas Golden Knights. And they were, as an expansion team, wow, look how good they were. Mm-hmm. So I think Gallant could wind up there in Calgary. And in Columbus, I'm not sure what they're going to do. They've gone through a lot of different coaches. Uh, their general manager is a European, so maybe they go abroad and they take a look at another player from Europe because they've got a roster full of Swedes and Finns uh, that play in Columbus for the Blue Jackets. Uh, there have been two jobs that have already been hired. Nashville has just hired Andrew Brunette, who I, I thought the Ducks might make a run at. He was 51-18 and 18 with the Florida Panthers and got fired. Uh, a couple of years ago, it was really strange. He was an assistant head coach, New Jersey. He just went uh, to Nashville, and Washington just hired maybe the hottest NHL assistant, Scott Carberry, another guy I thought the Ducks might move on. He's gone from the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, to take that job in Washington. It's interesting, the names that are out there, uh, check marks of names you would recognize. Daryl Sutter, mm. who's been everywhere and has won cups in a bunch of different places, but he's really old school. I don't think he'd be a candidate for the Ducks job. Uh, Gallant, I think, is going to get hired. Joe Kenville, the former coach in Chicago, St. Louis, Florida, who was suspended by the league for one year because of what happened way back a decade ago with the Blackhawks and a sexual assault situation that was kind of covered up. Uh, Kenville is out there. Uh, Travis Green, ex-Vancouver coach, who 
had spotty results, some good, some bad, uh, with the Canucks. He is out there. Really intriguing name is Patrick Waugh, the legendary goaltender of the Montreal Canadiens. He was a former head coach of the Colorado Avalanche, but he kind of self-destructed on the job. And he went back to junior hockey. When he retired, he became part owner of the, the Quebec Remparts, historical junior hockey team. Guided them to the Memorial Cup, did really well. Got back in the NHL, went to Colorado. It was kind of a rocky road. He left, went back to Quebec. He's got the Remparts playing in the Memorial Cup again. He keeps putting his, all his kids going to the NHL that played for him in Quebec City. Patrick Waugh would like another shot at the NHL, so he might might well be. And the, the last name is Mike Babcock, uh, who had real good success with the Detroit Red Wings. He'd been in Toronto. He'd been out here with the Kings. Uh, I thought the Ducks might take a flyer on him, but Pat Verbeek is he's a second-year general manager. They have such a very young team, so do they want a young guy to work with the young kids, or do they want a taskmaster to take over? And, you know, the intangible thing, this sounds stupid of me to say, and I know you're going to say I'm <laughs> stupid. That's okay, because I don't care what you think in left field. Look where you're broadcasting tonight. The Ducks have the second pick in the draft. They're going to get a great player, probably Adam Fantilli, the University of Michigan. They have 11 draft picks. They now have 39 million cap space. Oh, wow. And they've got the whole ton of young guys that they force-fed last season that are all going to be back with a year under their belt that with NHL experience at age 20 and 21, etc. I think the Ducks' job, you may think I'm stupid, but I don't care about that. <laughs> I think the Ducks' job might be as good a job as there is in the NHL because they got resources and they got assets. Yeah, and you could be the coach that's going to turn the whole thing around and get the credit for all of yep. that. So that would be terrific. So I have a question for you, Lee. I mean, you have a tremendous history uh, broadcasting professional hockey and as a hockey fan. Who are some of your favorite coaches that you remember from yesteryear in the NHL? My goodness, I crossed paths with so many guys. I was a huge Pat Burns fan, as witnessed by the success he had in Montreal and Toronto before he passed away. Uh, I thought Pat Quinn was one of the great motivators of all time as a head coach. And and he's passed away. He was in Vancouver. He was in Toronto. Uh, the Irishman smoking a cigar. Really <laughs> cool. One of the unique guys I ever crossed with, and I'll tell you 30 seconds worth of the story, when I was in World Hockey Association, I was in Cleveland and then in Indianapolis doing games. And Indianapolis had a coach by the name of Jacques Demare, a young guy. Jacques went on and, and won a Stanley Cup in Montreal with the Canadians, mm-hmm. had a good run with the Detroit Red Wings. He was illiterate. He could not read. Mm. Uh, there, he was, there was something that did not allow him to process information. And when I found out about this after he retired from Montreal, he suffered a stroke and had to retire. And I thought all the conversations, because I got along really well with him, and I thought all the conversations, and I'd, I'd say, look at this. He said, well, I didn't bring my glasses. I can't read that. And, and that was his explanation <laughs> yeah. as to why he couldn't read. But the reality was he could not read, and yet he won. He knew, he knew hockey. He knew X's and O's. He knew how to push buttons with young players and old players. And mm-hmm. I think he's one of the most unique guys I've ever crossed with. So that, that's a 30-second hockey history story for you. But isn't it interesting how when some – it's almost like when someone loses their sight, they get superpowers with hearing or something mm-hmm. else. So maybe the fact that he was illiterate gave him different kind of insight into the game itself, and that's probably what made him a great coach. Yeah, there was some type of learning disorder. I never had the chance to talk to him about it, but um, 
fascinating, fascinating guy. And he's still still alive, but obviously he suffered a stroke and there was a setback there too. But uh, So you asked the question, I gave you an answer. One more <laughs> topic on the table before we go to fans forum. Yeah, so um, yeah, there's, there's some updates here with Team USA. I know a lot of fans are really anxious to find out what's happening here. Well, San Diego's becoming the U.S. soccer capital of the world, isn't it? Yeah. And here comes MLS expansion, and we got the San Diego wave, and we got the loyal, and we got the, the historical great success of the indoor San Diego soccers. Team USA has just lost its interim coach. This is kind of hard to believe. As you know, Greg Berhalter's contract expired. Uh, they did the investigation of the, the, the personal situation that he had 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Has not been given a contract extension yet. The general manager at Team USA left. Ernie Stewart went to the Netherlands to take a job. Uh, they have Matt Crocker, who's been hired as the new general manager. He's going through the process. He just lost the interim coach, Anthony Hudson, who took over the program when Burhalter's contract expired. Anthony Hudson has just resigned to go to Saudi Arabia to coach in their high-powered league. So they have hired, they promoted a guy by the name of B.J. Callahan, who was an assistant coach also for Burhalter. He's going to run the team during the Nations League and the Gold Cup tournaments are coming up in June and July. And Matt Crocker says we'll have a new head coach by August. He says Burhalter is still under consideration. My theory is this guy proved himself. He rebuilt the roster. The future is very much ahead of it. Bring the guy back. Sidebar story, Team USA begins training this coming Monday for the Nations League and the Gold Cup tournaments that are coming up for CONCACAF. They play all these teams in North America, South America, etc., all these countries. Um, They have just released their roster. So Christian Pulisic has come back from Chelsea. Hmm. He will play for Team USA all summer long. Uh, They're bringing back Weston McKinney, who played for Leeds in the English Premier League. Got hurt, got healthy. He's coming back. They got injury problems with two other goaltenders are hurt that won't be there. So they're going to have to go with Matt Turner uh, to be the starting goaltender through the whole push through the course of the summer. But they added Gio Reyna, has been added back to the roster. Mm -hmm. Alexandra Zendejas, who could make the decision, play USA, play Mexico. He's playing for Team USA, and they just got approval uh, to bring on board from France Folaren Bologan. Scored 21 goals in France. Nice. He has come stateside. And suddenly, there looks like there's a lot of firepower on Team USA as they start to build this thing towards 2026 in the World Cup. And all these guys are going to be here the entire summer to play in the Nations League tournament, and then in the Gold Cup. Well, it's exciting. It's an exciting time for Team USA. And you know, we talk about how they were really building for 2026. It just It's odd to me, since they haven't hired Bearhalter and they're dragging their feet, there's got to be something going on that we don't know. They're, they must be looking for another coach, or maybe they'd had to make a hard choice between Gio Reyna and Greg Bearhalter, and they said, you know, we're going to take the kid Reyna. Well, the kid is there, but I think that Reyna walks in that room because all the players are back in – or back in Burhalter, mm. I I think that there'll be a new standard for decorum inside that room. And Reyna, I think, will have grown through the mistakes that were made and what his family did to Greg Burhalter because Pulisic and those guys went public right after the season ended, and it was apparent they were not going to renew Burhalter immediately. 
said that's our coach. He's responsible for why we got as far as we got in the last World Cup. So I'm still hopeful Greg will get this job. We'll just have to see where it goes. But I'm I'm excited because now you bring in the player from France to go with the two kids that didn't hardly play at all last year and Reina and Zaneos, and you got Pulisic, and you got McKinney, and you got a load of guys on the back end defensively. Um, I'm just kind of fascinated as to how this thing grows. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting time, and for not only for Team USA, but like you said when you kicked off this segment, for soccer in San Diego. I mean, it's just this this sport is really beginning to flourish in America. Okay, quick reminder: if you like sports, you need to go to my website. It's all written. Don't sit here and just listen to us. <laughs> Check my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. We invite you to share it. With all your friends, tell them what we're doing on our podcast, our regular Thursday podcast, our bonus podcast every Monday. And then what we do uh, with the short vertical clips that we add to the podcast as well as to Instagram. By the way, when you share, make sure you tell everybody thumbs up because of what we're doing and give us five stars. We have no pride. We'll (laughs) take all the followers that we can get. John? All your friends are lined up. Pick some questions. Yeah, here. I mean, there's just a ton in here from Ryan and Angel and and Romel and and so let's let's uh, let's go here with um, Angel Berrigan. He says Hopkins would be a great fit for the Rams if they have cap space. As for the Cardinals, I'll, I'll be surprised if they win five games in 2023. Yeah, I think Arizona's Arizona's a real mess. I don't think the Rams are much better right now. Uh, the, the question is, is D Hop going to come play? for less money. That's the big issue. You know, he can talk about Kansas City and he can talk about Buffalo, but they don't have cap space. And I'm not sure he's a $15 million a year wide receiver anymore. You know, he had three straight years. He caught over 100 balls in Houston and they traded him. And then he caught 42 and 64 in Arizona over two years. He was not making the production the kind based on the amount of money he was making. Uh, I'm not going to say he's damaged goods, but there's obviously he's got to prove it. I don't think the Rams have very much cap space. So I'm it sounds neat in theory. I just don't see how that's humanly possible because of the Rams have just so many issues and so much <laughs> dead money with a cap. Yeah, well, I think Rams fans are probably just desperate to have another star back on that team since so many other great players have left. Uh, but yeah, what a wild situation. You said like the Kansas City Chiefs only had $600,000 in cap space. I mean, it's going to be hard for DeAndre Hopkins to, to find a good fit. Yeah, I think Baltimore because they got $11 million in cap space. And I think everybody's enthused about being around Lamar Jackson. We move on. Pick another topic here. All right. Ryan Kennedy says, who do you think is winning the NBA finals and Stanley Cup final? Also, how many games do you see them going? I'm thinking Nuggets in five and Golden Knights in six. Yeah, I think the Joker and those guys are going to raise the trophy. That's a really good basketball team. It's kind of grown into it. Uh, They got, you know, they got the big center. Michael Porter had a severe back injury when they first drafted him, had two surgeries. It's taken him two years to find his game. Murray has just exploded. He's the kid out of Canada. And I'll tell you, KCP, uh, Cantavius Caldwell-Pope, the ex-Laker, he has really played well. He's kind of a glue guy. Uh, I just don't know that Miami's got enough people physically to just deal with Jokic. So I'll take Denver. And the, the NHL Stanley Cup Finals, Tell you, you look at Las Vegas, that's a really good hockey team. That's a really deep hockey team. Now, they may be a little bit suspect in goal, but boy, they got firepower. I mean, and postseason, John Marsha show uh, and uh, William Carlson have just been potting goals all the time. And I mean, they're carrying them. And 
I, I just think Vegas is a complete team. I don't think it's a sexy team. I don't think it gets anywhere near recognition. I don't know who the hell is going to watch these games because Vegas and Florida are not sexy, sexy teams. You know, if it had been Toronto or Edmonton or if it had, you know, been the Rangers if they hadn't faltered or the Bruins who gave it all back after everything they did during the season, I think the TV ratings would have been a lot higher. I just don't think it's it's just not a neon light event. Yeah, well, I think for the NHL, it's all the teams in the Final Four were in the Sun Belt, right? All Southern American teams. Um, Yeah, it it seems like, you know, those years of all those great Canadian teams – they haven't won much lately, right? So well, Edmonton's got the two stars, but they've never gotten there. Mm-hmm. And it's only been since 1967 since the Maple Leafs won the Stanley. Oh, Up. that's all. <laughs> that's all. Hard to believe. Yeah, and as far as the NBA goes, yeah, I, I I'd like to see the Nuggets win this thing. But as a fan, I wanted to go seven games. And you know, the, the Heat they they stepped up in Game Seven in the East. So the longer this thing drags out, you know, Jimmy Butler might figure out a way. I don't think Jimmy's got enough friends to play the Joker. I just don't know how they're going to defend Jokic and everything that guy does. Yeah, he's special. He really is. Next question. Next question. Moving on down the list. This is from John Hopkins. What are the Padres going to do with Soto? He was 0 for 6 the last two games in Miami. Well, he's hitting the ball on the on the screws. He's hitting a, His swing has been refined. They figured out the mess of him mechanically at home plate. Uh, now they got to get Machado back, and they got to get Machado back. Hitting more than 231. Now, Tatis had a good game in Miami. He had three doubles, four ribbies, but that only counts as one game. You know, his batting average was down to 240 when we were having breakfast on Thursday morning. So there's there's still a lot of work to be done there. We'll just see if they can get hot. They they need to put a string together because they're still a, a, a fair ways back of the Dodgers, despite all the pitching problems that the Dodgers are having right now. Yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see what how this all works once they get all, their four superstars healthy and productive and they get that rhythm going like we all thought was going to happen day one, then I think they can be special. Soto is an interesting case. You ever notice like certain players when they swing the bat, you, you can see a silhouette. You don't need to see their name or their number or their face. But you can see a silhouette that's unique. And yep. Juan Soto has a unique swing. It's like the, the plane of the bat is almost parallel to the ground the whole way through. Uh, he's special. I, I, 0-6 on Miami, hopefully that's just a one-off because he's been good the last few weeks. Well, he's been, yeah, exactly. I would say in the last 30 games, he's hitting about 340, which is phenomenal compared to when he was hitting 156. Oh, yeah. Next question. Next question. Moving on down the road. This is from uh, our our good friend, SG Sports Talk Channel. How would you rate Jokic on a scale of 1 to 10? He came into the league as a 3. You know, when I first saw him, I said, and yeah, granted, big man, Europe, lethargic, doesn't run well, kind of lazy defensively. Jeez. He is so refined offensively. He makes so many different shots. He's got the ability to make passes. He does run the floor more, and he he does play better defense. And one thing, big slow guys tend to foul. He doesn't foul. He does not get into big foul trouble. Uh, so I, I just think he's a really good player. Can I give him a rating right now? I think the NBA MVP... That that's quite a calling card. So I'd have to say, give him an eight or a nine. He may not be complete, mm-hmm. but geez, he does an awful lot of things that you don't get credit for. And like I said, in the playoffs, thirty-two points, fourteen boards, ten assists per game, runs the floor, plays defense too, and he plays a ton of minutes. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, uh, who if you had to take a pick, your street ball team, you know, out on the playground, do you take Anthony Davis or you take Jokic? 
Jokic is better than Davis, although, I mean, Davis is a great player, and I don't get into this thing, who's the greatest of all time? I don't really care. They're really, <laughs> really good players. They're different players, but, geez, and Jokic is, is somewhat young. He's younger than a lot of guys in the league, so I'm very impressed with him. All right, well, let's move on. We got some uh, social media comments. I want to get these folks involved, too. And uh, here's one right here. Whoop, that's not the one we want. We want Hang on a second here. I got these mixed up. Got to turn that off and then this on. And here it is. Uh, this is from uh, Po Hoon Ohi uh, from YouTube talking about the, the Ducks coaching situation. I would rather have Bruce Boudreau than either of these two. Well, Boudreau's got a great track record, but he's also a short fix. I like Bruce. Uh, he's been a lot of places. has had some success, but it always kind of runs out of gas. Um I th- I I I think that the Ducks have a real hard decision to make. They've got so much gifted young talent and so much more coming. You know, I had a scout tell me the Ducks are going to have five NHL defensemen in San Diego next year. Five kids wow. that are NHL prospects. Bunch of them are high number one draft picks, all on the blue line. And so what do you need as a coach? Do you need a young guy who's a teacher? who can bring them along through what's going to be ups and downs with a, with a very young roster in Anaheim? Or do you need a taskmaster who's really tough, who can guide them? Uh, tough, tough call. Um, I think Pat Verbeek is going to take somebody that he crossed paths with before. And oh, yeah. I, I think Jeff Halpern in Tampa, who's been a longtime assistant to John Cooper and, and played with Pat eons ago in Hartford, uh, in the NHL, I think that might be the guy, but it's hard to say because it's been very quiet. They have not been very vocal, and of course, the Ducks are kind of off the roadmap of the NHL. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's not Toronto, where every minute of every day, that's all they do on talk show radio is talk about the Leafs or <laughs> what the Penguins are going to do, etc. So, uh, I don't even know if he's going to hire him before the draft. Although I would hope he would, so that coach could have some input as to what they're going to do with some of these draft picks. But uh, I think the future's right ahead of them. I wrote a column on my website weeks ago after they named uh, the new head coach here, Matt McElvain, to coach the San Diego Gulls. He came with a great track record in Europe just based on talking to him and based on talking to Verbeek and knowing what I know about what they've drafted and how they've developed them. I think the losing is about to end in Anaheim, and I think I I really believe the losing is going to about to end here in San Diego. I think the Gulls are going to have a pretty good team. Yeah, they're positioned for success. But I think, yeah, Verbeek is going to bring in his own guy, right? And so to your point, someone he's crossed paths with, I would hope that it's going to be a coach with a lot of experience if they got a team with a lot of young kids. Yeah, but is it going to be a hard-ass guy? Mm. Because you're dealing with young kids, and the psyche of young kids, kids is different than a 31-year-old veteran. And if things get get rocky— you want a hard ass as a coach with the kids, or do you want somebody that can guide them, counsel them, direct them? At? Tough, tough call. But like I say, at the end of the day, I think it might be the best job in the league to get hired for because they got youth that's already played and they got resources and assets. I mean, 11 picks highlighted by the second pick in the draft and 39 million cap space. And a huge media market. Well, I don't know that Orange County is a media market. But it's part of L.A., right? Yeah, but I don't think L.A. You don't cross the county line. (laughs) If you're a hockey guy, you're a Kings guy in Los Angeles. If you're a hockey guy south of the L.A. line, yeah, it's Orange County. It's the Ducks. And probably to a degree, it's San Diego Gulf fan. Okay, Mm -hmm. on we go. 
on we go. Um, and this is a good one about the who's to blame video clip that we did from this is from uh, Ed at Rec One Productions. He said, it all started when the funny Photoshop photo of Kershaw, then the front <laughs> office emptied out the farm, no real players waiting to come up, nothing vested into the future of the club. They spent it all on hype players, not constant players. I would rather have two or three average solid players than overpaid players because of their last name. And pitchers, the Dodgers' strength always lied, um, always uh, led to their pitchers first. Farm club pitchers too, but the front office took a gamble and lost, so take the booze, and hopefully they all get fired. Well, that's that's kind of <laughs> crossing the line. I've never called for anybody ever to be fired. Uh, not as the voice of the Chargers, not as a talk show host, but at the end of the day, I do hold people accountable. If this does not work out, if the Padres don't go deep into October, if the Padres, even, even if they don't win the division, if they can go deep into the playoffs and just continue to grow what they did last fall, then then it's decent. But, pal, if they don't make the playoffs, I might be changing my theory about, quote, accountability. Uh, but you need stars, and there's no doubt that they're paying enormous amounts of money. One of my hidden fears, and I can't sense this to be true, but one of my hidden fears is the player's psyche. Well, we'll win. Well, maybe it's okay. Uh, by the way, I got my money. Did you get your money? Hmm. Uh, you know, the amount of money they're paying to these stars, I don't see fire and I don't see passion yet. Now, maybe it's because it, everybody's been struggling and now guys got nicked up. But they, they need somebody to pick up the flag and say, you're going to follow me. Uh, you need a Ken Caminiti. You need somebody like that that's going to drive this thing. But that being said, we you know, we've seen Tatis and the explosive things he does that brings players together. We saw what Machado did each of the last two seasons, where they, they really became a follower of his as he marched up and down the dugout and ran around the bases and made things happen. So I'm not ready to give up on him yet, but there will be some time during the course of this season to the end of the season where I will invoke the word accountability, and then we may have a different discussion, John. Yeah, well, I, I, I think the Padres, again, it's all on the players. they got to figure it out, and I don't think they've had their, their top four, their fab four, all cooking at the same time. And they started the season without Tatis. Machado's been hurt. Um, Soto was in the tank for a good part of the start of the year. Maybe in summertime they start to heat up, and it's June 1st, so let's see. We will find out. Hey, listen, we hope you've enjoyed our Thursday podcast. We're here each Thursday. We're here with Monday Bonus Podcast. We invite you to subscribe so you'll know when we're putting new stuff up on our podcast. Please check my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. It's all written. John, have yourself a great sports weekend. We'll talk to you come bonus day on Monday. Yeah, NBA Finals starts tonight. Hey, thanks for being with us. Hope you've enjoyed Hacksaw's Headlines. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. Touchdown, San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.